Welcome to Life Skills for Kids, Superstar Practical Strategies, your go-to podcast for surviving and thriving with your children. I'm your host, Deb Hopper, and as a parent and an occupational therapist, I understand the reality of getting through each day with the kids. Join me as we delve into tips, tricks, and strategies that you can use today. And welcome to the Life Skills for Kids Superstar Practical Strategies podcast. And today we are talking the poos. And we have our very special guest, our first international guest, Landy Peak, and she's joining us from somewhere near Albuquerque in the US. Hello, how are you going, Landy? Good, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Now, to I, we were just chatting before and you were saying that you live near Albuquerque and I was just saying, I was looking at our podcast stats and how Albuquerque is actually our highest listening city to this podcast in the world. That is amazing. That's really neat. So if you are listening from Albuquerque, from the fan club out there, I would love you to get in contact with me and I'd love to hear how you found about us. Yes, because such a difference in to find and so close to where I am, which is such a neat, you know, coincidence. Yeah, and um, I was just saying before, um, we drove through there, went on our trip through the US this year. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I love the desert and it's so, so grand, larger than life. So it's the it beautiful, it's rugged place of the world. <laughs> uh-huh, it is. Yeah. So let's talk about constipation, all the poos. <laughs> And how we can help our kids who are, you know, who are constipated. So, yeah, how prevalent is this, Landy? It is really, and I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I work with kids with pelvic therapy. And so I'm an occupational therapist like you and then have tied in that pelvic therapy realm because of, you know, seeing so many clients who are struggling with constipation and parents not even realizing that their child is struggling with constipation. It might come out as urinary leakage, fecal leakage, bedwetting, and the underlying issue is constipation. So, you know, I'll have to look up the stats for you and how prevalent it is, but, you know, it is really common with children and adults and especially with children with disabilities. Mm, And I know that in my pediatric practice and for the other OTs who I do clinical coaching with, I get questions all the time. Actually, I just got off a call half an hour ago with somebody and we were talking about a five-year-old who is just starting to understand and notice when he needs to, you know, go do a wee and, you know, he's now Uh running to the bath and, you know, letting it out. So we were brainstorming how we could, yeah, get him to transpose that, you know, to sitting on the toilet. So it's very, very common. It is. It's really common. And, you know, with that constipation, kind of signs of constipation that parents can watch for are one, that your child should be having a bowel movement at least every three days, preferably every day. And if your child's bowel movement is really hard, and or you have liquid stool as well as hard stool because sometimes kids get so constipated that you have liquid stool that can actually sneak out around the hard stuff mm-hmm. and there will be little smears in the underwear and then they have the big one. So that's a kind of a telltale sign. Tummy aches are one that kids complain that their tummies hurt and parents don't always connect that it could be constipation. 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm finding children who they'll complain about their tummy ache. And then that day or a couple hours later will actually have a bowel movement. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of one of those links of, okay, this could be constipation related and not other tummy trouble related. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, when you, when you don't know, parents just don't realize that these could be symptoms. And again, I was with another client this week and the mum was saying that this, their son has never had a bowel movement. Like, a, no, 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 never had like a stool, like a properly formed stool. I'm going, oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it is, yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. so there's different kind of those symptoms to watch for. And mm-hmm. your child can actually have a regular bowel movement and still be constipated. And kids okay. get really backed up and they it stretches out the rectum, which... Mm-hmm creates kind of a mega rectum. And then that mega rectum now is encroaching in other areas such as the bladder, Mm. which can cause leakage of the bladder because this rectum is so filled with stool. So you can think, oh, my child goes every day and they can still have some of the constipation. So you have to be watching for, you know, what their stool looks like. Should be nice, soft logs or like snakes or even soft blobs. But if you're getting hard and cracked stools and stools that hurt coming out, Hmm. you got to be thinking constipation. And, you know, so there's, you know, stools to watch for. But many parents, once you get past potty training, you're no longer watching, you know, what your child's stool looks like and how often they're going Mm -hmm. and even if they say they're going, you know, it, you don't have that information just because they get independent and we don't need to follow them or think we don't need to follow them as closely. Yeah. And so checking in and seeing what's going on is really important. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So I get you've mentioned a couple of things that we might be able to, that are the clues that things might. Right. But, but what if, can it go undetected for like a long time and then something happens? It can. Yes. And so, yeah. and that's um, where we kind of get that mega rectum is that we aren't picking up on kind of some of the clues. And so there's the child gets more and more backed up, stretching out that rectum. And then it's not until that rectum is getting so full and it's encroaching in on the bladder mm-hmm. that we start problems. So, you know, people will come in with urine leakage or urine frequency or a strong urge where your child's like, oh my gosh, I have to go now and there's no window to wait. Mm-hmm. That could be you know, some constipation going on where it's kind of pushing into that bladder and it doesn't have the space. And bedwetting is a big one where, you know, your bladder naturally fills overnight. And if the rectum is so filled with stool, the bladder doesn't have the space it needs and then causes a leak. And then you have the bedwetting. So often it is, has gone on for a while. And then you end up with an issue that brings Mm. you help. Okay. So do people normally go to the GP or family doctor first? Yes. And so that is the most common because, I mean, you go with tummy aches, you go with, you know, any kind of issue, you're going to head to your general practitioner or your pediatrician. And then hopefully that pediatrician or general practitioner has knowledge to be able to shift you and have you see a pelvic therapist. But they'll be able to identify kind of what's going on and some ways to kind of help alleviate that constipation. Mm -hmm. And that's a big one. So I work with the child's doctor 
to make sure. So when we're working with constipation and if we're doing, you know, constipation meds, things like that, I'm working with that doctor to make sure we're getting what that child specifically needs and how to get them cleaned out if they're severely constipated and then help that rectum shrink back and keep cleared out. And it can be a long process. We're looking at six months to a year to really get back with kids, you know, back to a regular schedule and that rectum shrunk back down with kids who are really backed up. So it can take, you know, it's a process, you know, if they get kind of that severe. Yeah. So that's a long time, isn't it? It is a long time. Yes. And it's not necessarily weekly therapy because there's a lot of homework that parents can do. Mm. So we're looking at constipation. We're looking at diet Mm -hmm. and highly processed foods. And then things like bananas, which you think healthy, Mm. but bananas and applesauce are constipating foods. Tapioca, arrowroot is our, you know, um, constipating foods, depending on kind of your diet that can be peanut butter, can be oh. constipating. The things that kids naturally eat that you think are on the healthier spectrum, not just the highly processed foods, could be contributing to that constipation. So yeah. we're looking at diet, we're looking at how much water they can t- they're taking in because hydration is big, mm. fiber. You know, we're like, do they have fiber? And then if they don't have a lot of fiber, you know, seeing if that's appropriate to bring in. And some kids have slow transit. And so a lot of our kids on kind of the autism spectrum, I'm finding, have more of slow transit. And so that's, it takes a longer time than typical for food to go in and then come out of stool. And those slow transit kids, if you're bulking them up on fiber, it just makes it worse. Mm. And so there's a fine line to figure out kind of what's that underlying cause and then how to get them back in regular. Yeah. And it's really tricky with our kids who might be on the autism spectrum disorder spectrum. They often find it hard to eat a wide variety of foods and to eat those high fiber, like the kids that I work with, they they love the white stuff, you know, the carbohydrates, the chicken nuggets, the, you know, chips, the potato, any arrowroot biscuits, (laughs) anything that's white. Yeah. Exactly. And all of those can be very constipating for kids. So those are ones that you really have to watch the diet and be sneaky if you can to get in Mm -hmm. some of those fruits and vegetables. And there's different ways that we try to get in, but Mm -hmm. you also have to go with what the kid's going to eat. So, you know, there's a whole spectrum to kind of get back and healthy. And -hmm. there's some getting, depending on the child's level and age, you know, getting their buy-in to kind of, and once to get into that program. And once we start getting into like bedwetting, things that are really bothering them, urinary or fecal leakage at school, that Mm -hmm. then they're getting a smell or they have wet pants that other students Mm -hmm. notice, you know, then there's a little bit more motivation from the child to kind of get, you know, back on. But it's a tricky balance, you know, to get, yeah. One tip and trick, if you do have a child who is has regular potty accidents at school is to send the same pair of pants every day. So then if they wet their pants and they go to the nurse, they have the exact same pants that they come back in because kids will pick up if they went to, you know, to the nurse in blue pants and they came back in gray pants, yep. they know their pants. And so ah. if you have the exact same pants, then they just went to the nurse, they came back, and they, there's less teasing that can go on. Ah. See, that's it's different over here because we have, um, all schools have school uniforms. 
Okay. So, so then it's a, not an it doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's interesting and it, cultural difference. <laughs> it is, and that's great because then you don't have that issue. Yeah. Yeah. Schools that yeah. Uh, kids can go in, you know, regular clothes and then mm. it is an issue, but that school uniform is nice. Yes. But well, half our listeners are from the US. So thank you. <laughs> Oh, now tell me, lots of my kids struggle with with drinking, but they are often very particular on the types of drink that they will have. So some kids, they won't drink water. They will only have a particular kind of orange cordial or juice that has to be a very specific concentration. Mm-hmm. So any tips on getting liquid into our little kiddos? Um, fun bottles can help especially kids with oral motor needs, getting the water bottles that have the heavier nozzles, whatever they're called, to suck. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of them are really easy to suck and some of them are harder. So Mm -hmm. I'm finding kids that need that oral motor input, if you get a harder suck, they're going to get more water in just because they're speaking that oral motor. Colors are, you know, there's different kind of electrolyte drinks that color the water. And so I've had success with that because then you're getting some nice electrolytes in there, but it'll dye the water pink or yellow or blue or whatever the color. And then we can get kids that are more interested and it has some flavor. So it's not just the water. Mm-hmm. And so working with parents and, and seeing what's right for their child and what the child's going to drink. And, you know, are we just into a certain color that we can do? Are there certain flavors that we can do? And so trying to get them sneaky, you know, is kind of a way around it. Watering down juice slowly, you know, mm-hmm. so we start with one in their concentration and then slowly getting it down to a water. So they kind of, very slowly gain that taste can help, but it's a long process. It's a tricky process. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying it can take like six to 12 months to clean out somebody. So if you were reducing the concentration of a drink, how long would you be aiming for? Would you be doing like a six month process in reducing that concentration? It depends on the child. But yeah, it can take a couple of months that we're getting less and less because we're doing it on the sly. Mm. And so it's, mm. you know, can we add just, you know, a teaspoon or two more liquid, you know, water to that juice mixture? Do they notice it? And then going to where they notice and then backing up a little bit because mm. they're going to notice and say, I'm not drinking it. And then you back up just to that point right above there. And then you go for that for a little bit yep. and then you bring it back down. And it's like, okay, they were okay with that. And then, so it can be slow. Mm-hmm. Some kids, you know, you can do bigger jumps because they're not going to notice. And yeah. some kids yeah. notice like literally a teaspoon difference and they're like, it doesn't taste right. Yep. And like, yeah. So yep. you do have to really work with kind of their individual tastes and being able to get more and more in. Tricking um for tricking, but games that you can play for water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like some kids want to, well, I've done things like, like having watches where the timer goes off and mm. it's like, oh, it's time to drink. And then everybody takes a drink and it's kind of a big kind of drink party and we all just take one (laughs) and then but it's timed so every couple of hours we take a big drink and that's worked for some kids who you know kind of go into that social aspect and want to do something with mom or dad then the timer has helped with some kids who are are more rigid and it's just like we get that buy-in for okay 
you know, it's two o'clock, it's time to drink. And you know, for some kids, that schedule, you know, yeah. helps. So it really work is working individually with what their needs are, but schedules can help because some kids really go, you know, schedule wise, having fun bottles, having them help pick out, you know, water bottles to drink, you know, things like that to try to get them, you know, more engaged in drinking water, but it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So tell me, once we do this clean out after, you know, six, eight, 12 months, does that sometimes cure or fix the night bedwetting or the leakage during the day? Yes. So that's a great question. So usually we do, you know, with the pediatrician kind of a bigger clean out at the beginning to get the main constipated stool out. And then we go to a regular maintenance program where we're keeping the stool at a soft consistency so that we kind of maintain, we're doing charts, you know, to watch their, you know, frequency, what the stool is like. There's a whole bunch of details that we're documenting to see our progress. But often once we get even that initial clean out, bedwetting or urinary leakage or the fecal leakage will just resolve. And because mm -hmm. it's due to that constipation, so when that stool is no longer backed up, it's no longer in, you know, encroaching on that bladder, then yes, you know, it will. But the biggest thing is, and why it takes six months to a year, is we get kids cleaned out. They're having regular bowel movements, they're doing well, bedwetting's, you know, disappeared, and then we go back to, or the child and family kind of slide back into old habits and routines. And they get constipated again. Here comes the bedwetting again. So that six months to a year is making sure that we're staying on a program for that long. Mm -hmm. And we're getting it so that by the time they hit that six months to a year, they've got this new routine, new habit, and they're less likely to slide back into the old dietary and, you know, you know, habits that they, that kind of created that constipation. So that's why it takes so long. So yeah, parents will see a success and that bedwetting and, and leakage can go away much sooner than the six months to a year. Yeah. But we keep on that program so that we're past that and we don't slide back, start and stop and, and do all that. So by routine uh, and how they slide back into old habits, mm -hmm. is that poor habits in drinking, poor habits in eating the right things? Yes. And sitting. Yeah. It's lack of activity. And mm -hmm. so we have a lot of kids who are on electronics. And so we're now not out running, jumping, doing things that we need to do to help the bowels get going. Mm -hmm. We're not drinking as much. And I mean, as a society, we just don't drink as much. We're busy. We don't think about it. And then, yeah, eating, we eat a lot of processed foods typically which can be very constipating and very easy foods. And like you talked about before, kids who are, have a very rigid diet and they don't want to eat a lot of variety of foods. And so, yes, it's, it's slowly getting everything back. And then if we don't go long enough, it's easy to, you know, and we've all done it with diets. You know, you go on a diet, you're great for a while, you lose the weight and then you're not as conscious about it. And all of a sudden it starts sliding back. It's human nature. And so kids are no different than adults. And so it's just getting us past. And if we all, you know, took that six months to a year where we're really working on that new diet, it's more likely to stick than if we do it a couple of months and we're like, Ooh, I'm done. And then we'll slide right back to our old habits. So yeah. Makes perfect sense. Wow. 
That is fantastic. Thank you for your time. We might invite you back if that's all right, because um, I'd love to talk about like potty training or toilet training. There's so much to talk about. So um, does that be okay? Come back. Yes, please. Lovely. Well, thank you so much. And we will, um, how can people contact you, Landy? So I have my own private practice here in New Mexico and I'm based out of Roswell and it's peak possibilities and I can give you, you know, the website and contact information. And so it's Landy Peak with peak possibilities. Yep. Great. And do you see people face to face or do you have online services? Right now I'm face to face, but in 2020, my goal is to get online. So that should be coming because in a rural area, I need to be able to reach more, more people. So yeah, that's coming. Yeah, and I know that here in Australia there's such a demand for services and, you know, we are quite a rural country (laughs) apart from, you know, in the capital cities. So, yeah, that would be very helpful to have that info as well. Neat. Sounds good. Great. Thanks, Landy. Talk to you next time. It was great talking to you. Thank you for joining me on the Live Skills for Kids podcast, providing you with superstar parenting tips and empowering you to be the rock in your child's life. Do you have an anxious child and feel overwhelmed and unsure how to help them? Check out my book, Teaching Kids to Manage Anxiety, Superstar Practical Strategies to help your anxious child move from fear and worry to confidence and peace. See you next time.